0: We are going to read for our sermon text now from verse 1 through 11. Sorry, chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to rest, to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last when a young man came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband and Great fear came upon the whole church and upon who or who heard of these things. This is the word of God, uh, so after a sermon, we will sing. Him, 50, uh, stances 1, 2, and 4. Good afternoon, our beloved congregation. I greet, greet you once again. Some of us might have read a novel or watched a movie based on this novel, The Godfather. It is not a story about a priest or a monk but of a story about the head of an Italian mafia or mob gangster. And this godfather, his name is Michael Corleone, said some famous words. He said something like, If you want to help someone, you had better act like you are 100% generous. What he means is, when you help some people... You need to act to be more generous than you actually are. And this is a worldly practice, hypocrisy, or more accurately accurately speaking, to lie to the people that he is not someone he is not. And this is what we read in today's text, that a married couple acts like somebody they are not. And their doing brought a crisis to the early church in the first century. So based on the texts, the theme of the gospel message this afternoon is God protects his church against the lie under the theme of three points, which I made a little bit of adjustment. I apologize, but you can follow definitely when I tell you. So the first point is the deception sneaked into the church. The second point is the punishment executed before the church. And the final point is the fear spread out from the church. Now let's begin with the first point. The deception sneaked into the church. So in Acts 1 8, we see that the, the verse tells us that the apostles were commissioned as. Christ's witness to testify in expanding circles, that is, to spread the gospel truth in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And the entire book emphasizes the truth that Jesus gathered and defended his church, his new people, through the work of the Holy Spirit. After Pentecost, the Holy Spirit greatly worked along with preaching in the church of Jerusalem. And the love characterized the church. So we can see that there are four, four, at least four elements of the community life in chapter 2. First, the church was devoted to the teaching of the apostles. That is the gospel of Jesus' birth bureau resurrection, and return. Together, they listened to and obeyed apostolic teaching. Second, chapter 2, verse 44, writes, All the believers were together. The The love between Christians manifested itself in that they met together daily in the temple and shared food together. Remarkably, they sacrificed for one another. They even sold what they had and their prop- property to help those people who were in need. Such sharing was not mandatory or forced, but was entirely out of their sincere heart. Third, believers also broke bread together. They celebrate the Lord's Supper together. They br- break the, uh, the bread together, could also refer to the ordinary meal. So they spent a lot of time together eating and celebrating the Lord's uh, birth, death, and resurrection and return. So number four element is believers were also devoted to prayer. Prayer signifies the, the community is dependent on God for maintaining their life together in truth, hope, and love. So when, you look, when we look at the, the picture of the, the first century uh, church in Jerusalem, we probably can get a beautiful picture of church life. The believers in the early church were of one heart and soul. And this is not the church life that we all desire to have. We all desire, we all make our effort to achieve. We come to church, we, we long for the truth and sincere communal life together in love, respect, and support, and most importantly, to be united together in one Jesus Christ. And in chapter 4, verse 36, which mentions that Joseph, who also was called Barnabas, he sold his field and offered the money to the needy fellow believers, this band of bias, Luke later described as a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. So his good reputation was spread among church communities. Everybody knew him. Everybody knew what he has done to the church. Yet immediately after chapter 4, chapter 5, verse 1, begins with a word, but which indicates that this results in a dramatic contrast between two contrary situations. One is positive, as the, as the case of Barnabas, and the, the following one is not. So you see, the church was not perfect even ever since the first century church. And this word, but, also has been a clue that this is a continuation of the story, begun, In Acts 4. So in Acts 4, we see Satan, he uses the Sanhedrin to disrupt the work of the church. A new people of God that was just born. But when he found that outside persecution did not really work, but even fanned the flames of prayer and bold proclamation, so he turned to destroy the church from the inside. By perversion of the offering. Satan, as we know, is a very, very cunning being. He saw that the external assault on the apostles failed, so he simply shifted his strategy to the internal adulteration of the church community. So today, still, Satan uses both external persecution. An internal perversion to attack God's church. And perhaps in North America, where we live, the latter strategy is more, far more common and, and effective than attacking church of Christ from outside. For example, today we know that Satan keeps using liberal thoughts or false teachings to divide the church. And many churches, churches divided because of that. So, what happened here? Chapter 5, verse 1 to th- one through 2 tells us that a married couple, Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. Uh, apparently, they had some good life. They had, they had a good life. They had a lot of money. And they promised to give all the proceeds to the poor in the church. Yet, they kept back part of it and put, in, put, put them in their pockets. For themselves, This is not honest, because they did not do as they promised to do, and Ananias' wife, Sapphira, knew it. She knew it, actually. That means they plotted this scheme together. They actually lied to the church. They, they kept the money, which means they loved the money, and showed little faith. As members of the early church, Ananias and Sapphira probably heard many gospel messages preached by apostles. As the context already tells us, that the church was devoted to the teaching of the apostles. And they also heard the Eighth Commandment, probably just like us. On every Sunday morning, we hear, we listen to Ten Commandments every Sunday, which says, You shall not steal moreover they were not less familiar with the death of Judas Luke chapter 22 verse 3 says Satan entered his heart that is Judas Satan attempted to disintegrate the twelve and Jesus from willing and soon Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver But but he ended his life terribly by hanging himself on a tree. When we look at Acts chapter 1, verses from 16 through 26, you don't have to read, it's a bit long, which says his end, that is Judah's end, became known, his end became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so this means all people of Jerusalem knew that the terrible consequence of betraying Christ for money. But Ananias and Sapphira still lied on purpose. Why did they still not fear God? On top of those things he has, they have learned and heard. They lied because they were so deceived by lies. They thought they were actually certainly they are not persons like Judas. They were better people because they were helping the church. So people who would would appreciate them. So God will reward them for their kindness. And they thought they could get away from being caught for their small, small, small lies. And this is this lie promised them that if, if they lie, they will not only get a, a good reputation just like Barnabas had received, but also they could keep their life in good condition. So they were shrewd business people. Their slogan is, If I lie, I can get more than what the gospel promised to give me. Actually, they took what belonged to God, but they did not realize what their deception would cost them. Now we can ask ourselves one question. Maybe maybe some questions. Do I hold back something that belongs to God as if they are mine? Do I keep back the tithe from God? Do I use my gifts to serve God or do I use my gifts to, to use them to satisfy my desires? Be careful with the lies of Satan. Their most powerful weapon of attacking believers is the lie. Let's remember the gospel is the weapon to smash the lie. It tells Ananias and Sapphira, as well as us, that Christ has died for our sins. So our sins have been forgiven because of what he did. From now on, we are God's children the sun of the light, and we are given the privilege to inherit the kingdom of God, not just a small piece of the land in Elora, but the kingdom of God. If we have diamonds, and why do we still want bronze? Therefore, we do not need to pretend to be somebody we are not. And, out of, and, and, and our security and identity are no longer in how much we have. What am I capable of? Because who we are and have actually is infinitely far better than this world can provide us. Only when people are transferred by the gospel, then he would be true. We would be true to ourselves, other people, and most importantly to God. We do not need to lie to get something inferior to what we have. No one would do that if he or she realizes that, right? Sadly, Ananias did not see the richness of the gospel they heard from the apostles. So he lied and brought only a part of his money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And this leads us to the second point, the punishment executed before the church. Ananias might expect to be noticed and praised by apostles in front of the whole congregation. He was ready to receive an award, award from the church leaders. He did not abide in Christ's teaching. What did Christ teach? Christ teaches that when you give to the needy Jesus hates hypocrites. He hates hypocrites so much. He warned them severely. Hypocrites have God on their tongues, on their in their speech, and the, the world in their hearts. They are people who are not themselves on Sunday. They are like pictures on canvas. They, they show fairest from the farthest. Apparently Ananias wanted his good deeds to be known, yet to his surprise, Peter didn't render something he, re- he expected. Peter questioned him at least five times, and the first question was, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? I know what you do. I know what you are thinking. Ananias might wonder, who told Peter this truth? This is a secret between my wife and myself. If my wife did not tell anybody else outside of the the house, obviously his wife didn't do that. Who would know that? You see, how proud Ananias was. He thought he could be able to keep the lie to himself without knowing that God knows everything. Nothing can really hide from the all-knowing, all-powerful God. Of course, Peter is not God. He could not read minds. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, he knew Ananias are lying. So he said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? Peter pointed out to him and everyone who was there and anyone who reads these words that lying has close relation with Satan. He, the father of lies. In other words, lying is from Satan. If someone is the son of God, then he or she does not take lying for granted. Lying is a devastating thing. It twists the truth. And it has existed over since, ever since the beginning of human history. Remember how Satan twisted God's word and lied to Eve first and then to Adam. Adam. And, and the lie soon destroyed the relationship between God and human being. From then on, humankind was cursed. If not because of the promise of the salvation of Christ. we will will be all condemned to eternal death. The text do not say Ananias was possessed by the evil spirit, and he lied. But the text says that Satan filled his heart. Once the heart is controlled, the entire person is enslaved. Satan is sly. He did not force... Ananias to lie. But, the, but he made Ananias, he seduced Ananias voluntarily submitted to the satanic lie. He influenced Ananias' heart by giving a false hope and comfort that by lying, you could get what you wanted. And Peter continued to ask the second question. Why do you keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? And then the third question, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And then the fourth question, and after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Then the fifth one, why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to God. You have not lied to man, but to God. Well, Peter Asked These five questions, Ananias did not answer at all. He, he had a no response. Although he could, cut in and said, he was sorry, I'm sorry, I sinned. Please forgive me. Ask the Lord to forgive me. He had a chance to repent immediately, but he did not. What Peter meant was the land was yours, Ananias, the land was yours before you sold it and before you had promised to give it to the church. Also, giving out your money to church was not mandatory, let alone giving 100%. But after you sold it, after you had sold it, it then belonged to God, not yours anymore. If it was God's property, How dare you keep back what belongs to God? If you take, you steal from the Lord. Titus chapter 2, verse 10 conveys the word keep back. It's stealing in small quantities or practicing petty theft. It means to keep back or misappropriate something for oneself that. That should or does belong to someone else. Therefore, Ananias also pretended to give all he had sold to God and his needy people. But he lied. And then Peter he continues, he concludes that you have not lied to man, but to God. So Ananias did not just lie to the apostles and church community. He actually lied to the spirit, and lying to the spirit equals lying to God. This means the Holy Spirit is God. As we all know, he is the third person of our triune God. In the Eastern Asian world, you probably, or you may know, especially in China, if you lie to an emperor, you deserve the death penalty. So you can imagine how much more severe punishment if one offends God? Finally, Ananias realized he offended no other but God. So suddenly he died. Maybe it was because it's a it was a heart attack or a lethal faint. Anyhow, it was God's doing. God killed him, and he was and he was carried out by a young men and buried. And those young men buried him. And because of his death, the whole church community feared the Lord. After Ananias' death, about three hours passed. His wife came in and she did not know her her husband died. Partly because his death was a disgraceful death. So the church community did not mourn for him in in terms of the tradition. So she did not hear anything about her husband's death. And Sapphira might be also hoping to be praised in front of everyone. But Peter started, started asking her, is this all you sold? And she said, of course, yes. In fact, Peter also gave her a chance to repent Yet she did not. Rather, she lied to God, just like his, her husband did. So Peter pointed out, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of Lord? Putting God to the test means seeing how far one can go in disobeying God. What she did was very, very dangerous. It's way too dangerous. Even Jesus told Satan, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So Sapphira was not given more right than Satan in testing God. Then Peter announced her death penalty. Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. When a young man who buried her husband came in, they found her dead too. And she was buried with her husband without mourning. You see the lie caused a couple to die on the same day. They were trying to look good and impress people. They attempted to be someone they were not. This is hypocrisy. Now, Are we always consistent? Are we better people than Ananias and Sapphira? Are we not um, hypocritical at all? Humanly speaking, Ananias and Sapphira did better than many Christians did today. Do today, sorry. After all, they gave a lot of their belongings to the church. So if God wants to chase our hypocritical sins, how many dead bodies will be found in the church? But why are we still alive? Why are we still here? Because Christ has died for our sins. So we do not need to die. In fact, no believers can ever live up, live up to perfection. Perfection. So being failed to reach perfection is not hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is deliberate deception. It is a double standard. It is also an attempt to make people think that we are more spiritual than we are than we really are. So we are not asked to be perfect. But be true to God, who knows our hearts. But we would ask, did Ananias and Sapphira deserve deserve to die for a lie? Why was God being so harsh? First, we should not question the wisdom of God. He knows what he does and what is best for his church. Second, Satan manipulated the hearts of Ananias and Sapphira and used them to lie out of hypocrisy like leaven. Hypocrisy starts small, very tiny, and unnoticed. It doesn't seem to be a big deal. Just a small lie. Let it go. Let it pass. We can live with it. But if it is not quickly dealt with, it will spread, and it can soon infect the entire church and it deceives the person into thinking that things are right between, between him and, and God, but the church, the truth is the opposite. Third, God is holy. His holiness is way beyond our understanding, as Lord's Day four tells us. And, and the church is his temple in the New Testament era. He wants his church to be holy. This is why Satan determined to attack the church so God's salvation plan cannot move forward. In Joshua 7, chapter 7, a similar case happened. Achan kept the money to himself and was destroyed along, for that reason he was destroyed along with his entire family. His entire family died with him Although satan 's name was not mentioned in the text, we still can see the work of the Satan among god 's people. He used the convertness of one man to bring about the defeat of the entire nation. that was his skin. So God killed Achan and his family because it was another significant stage of redemptive history when they newly Entered into the promised land under the leadership of God's servant Moses. Similarly, in Acts 5, Satan sought to do the same with God's infant church. The church just began as a new people of God in a new critical stage of redemptive history. So God will not allow the lies spread like a leaven to destroy his work. And once again, God's spirit thwarted Satan's attempts to corrupt God's new people. Certainly, Luke isn't teaching the death invariably follows by death. At the inauguration of the new covenant, the Lord reveals his standards for the early church community. And this and his punishment of this couple brought great fear within and even without the church. And this brings us to the final point. The fear spread out from the church. When Ananias died, great fear came upon all the church community who heard it. But when Sapphira died, the great fear Spread outside the church, people realized that God could be, they could be, God could not be treated lightly. Hebrew chapter uh, chapter 12, verse 8 through 9 says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. First, God killed the lying husband, and then his lying wife, and now who want to be the next? What happened to the couple could also happen to anyone else who lied to God in the church. So the punishment of the couple did not waken but built up and strengthened the church in the first century in Jerusalem. The following verse in chapter 5 verse 14 says, More than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. When we look back to nowadays, we can see that Many churches tend to tolerate the fashion of newcomers of the world. They think the standard of God won't really work in today's church. So they seek to overly contextualize and work to satisfy their appetite by compromising God's timeless gospel message and standard. One pastor once said, Some people imagine we must lower God's standards for the church to make progress in today's world. But this has been so true. But this has never been true. The church has always been strengthened when it catches a vision of the holiness of God and seeks practical holiness in individual lives. So Acts 5 verse 14 vividly Demonstrates to us a seeker unfriendly church. They, do, they did not please people who, who came to church to seek to satisfy their desire. In contrast to keeping away the seekers, drew near, drew even more believers to the Lord in the Church of Jerusalem. Seeker friendly churches tend to please the world. If they love the world, if we love the world, the world, the love of the Lord is not in us and not in them as well. And the world is full of lies. It tells you that lying is okay. It is common and everyone lies. How can you get what you want without getting lies? By opening to the culture or practice of the world, Satan, the head of the world, introduces lies into churches, just as he already did to the first married couple in, God, in the Garden of Eden. But the church is different from the world. Christ, because Christ is the head of the church, and he purifies his church through his blood, the, the worldly lies has no place in his church. The true church must take lies seriously, and doing this out of fear of God, can bring true spiritual growth. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, as we told in Proverbs. This fear helps us to understand when Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from the lie. Now we come to our conclusion for this afternoon. Dear brothers and sisters, God loves his church. So he sent his son to die for his church, his bride. God is holy. He wants us to be holy. So he will always protect his church and purifies it against the lies and schemes of Satan that seduces his people to destroy his church. His holiness is the reason why we fear him. May we love and glorify God in pure hearts. Let's be true to God. Surely we can, because what Christ has done for us, gives us strength and joy to love the truth and hate the lie. Amen.